0: Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Good to see you. Uh, be- I'm sorry, beard. Your beard, <laughs> not Bill. I know my my coach beard is not as much of an impressive feat as your Ted Lasso. Well, we're going to go out there and and give everything we can for AFC Richmond. Um, <laughs> for
1: those who are listening, you you got to go to our YouTube page uh, and check out because we're doing our ho- this is our Halloween episode, first annual, by the way. I don't think we've ever done this, have we? I don't recall
0: uh, going in costume before.
1: So I decided this year, now I, granted I'm about a year or two late to the Ted Lasso <laughs> zeitgeist, although I think it's still, you know, they're getting ready to put out a new season, I think. But uh, last year was probably peak year, as you might recall. Mitt Romney mm-hmm. even even dressed as Ted Lasso. Uh, so I'm like behind Mitt Romney. And what's cool <laughs> if that gives you if that gives you a sense, but Bill, I decided uh, this year to actually get a real costume, mainly because with, with my kids and and uh, I thought I'd have several bites at the apple instead of just going out in the dark trick or treating where no one can mm-hmm. see me. I was invited to a couple of Halloween parties, mm-hmm. and I figured, hey, let's uh, let's let's mm-hmm. you know let's make make a new tradition. So mm-hmm. here we are. I'm Ted Lasso. Your beard. Uh, and, uh, I like the theme next year. You can pick the theme and, and I will be Robin to your Batman.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's asking me to, to do more thinking, which I'm not sure I'm capable of doing, <laughs> but, uh, we'll see how next year goes. Are you, do you watch, do you watch Ted Lasso? I'm, I'm caught up on Ted Lasso. That is okay. it, it, and, and plenty of shows I cannot say that about, but I did watch Ted Lasso.
1: And will you be going to any, uh, Halloween parties or trick or treating with your kids?
0: Uh, trick or treating, yes. Parties, no. Um, uh, you know, the, the typical thing is, you know, downtown Northampton. The, the businesses all hand out candy, so we usually hit that, and then maybe maybe pop it at some friends' houses after that.
1: I like this new trend, and I say new. It's probably been around for a while, but neighborhoods and communities mm. are instead of like being inside your house, they will go to the streets. You know. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll sit in their, uh, in their driveways and have music playing and they'll sit Mm -hmm. on like, you know, they'll sit on like lawn chairs and they'll, you can come up and give out, they'll give out candy there. And it's, it's less weird than knocking (laughs) on someone's door. And I think it creates a, a a bit of a communal aspect Mm -hmm. to, to the whole thing.
0: Well, it depends. I mean, when I, I recall growing up, you just went around, you know, you didn't like go seek out a particular Halloween-friendly neighborhood. You just like went down your block yeah. and, and and nearby. Uh, and when I moved here, this is the first time I you know, was you know, a homeowner, and that was, we we moved here 17 years ago. Um, wow. Uh, uh, You're old. Like, am, I doing, am I doing my math right? Yeah, I am. Um, that first year, I was like, it's Halloween, and we, 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 and we don't have kids at this point. We're like, it's Halloween, let's get candy, let's do stuff. And, like, we and we put our bowl and we get our, and we're all ready, and like, no one shows up. It's like, oh. and, and and we're pretty close to the downtown area. We're not in an isolated area, but just apparently, like, my block is not a Halloween block. Uh, I mean, you might get a few kids here and there, but, um, but there are certain blocks that are, are known for attracting trick or treaters. Yeah. And, like, you then, and you will, like, make a point like go to that neighborhood or that block to get all the good candy
1: and your block is on some warning list do not go to this <laughs> man's house whatever you do uh bill when i was a kid and maybe this is why i splurged this year with, with ted lasso when i was a kid i never had a good halloween outfit i i i bought the pla- you go to like the uh revco which is like cvs and you get like the plastic Superman costume with like the little plastic mask. I n- I never mm-hmm. I never had a legit costume. And na- and now this is before the proliferation of of Halloween stores, you know. You kind of you had to have a mom or dad who who knew how to sew or or something in order to have a legit costume. I, I never on. I
0: never had a handmade costume. I always had the store bought stuff.
1: And deep down did you also resent that like I have for all these years?
0: no, i just I think everybody had the store bought stuff I, I, That just not everybody like there was
1: that one kid Bill who won every year with the uh the really awesome costume anyway uh you know john Fetterman uh could be a costume this year uh there are some gruesome costumes uh, every year there 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 are uh things that happen uh and things in pop culture that end up being costumes um I've heard that uh Who's the uh, There's like a Netflix show about uh, Ted Bundy, right? That's out. I, I, I think it's horrible that people would dress up like that. Um, I'm, I'm, your your segueing is starting to confuse me.
0: You've gone from Halloween to Fetterman to Bundy. I'm just talking. I'm not. I'm not.
1: Attemp- quick, I'm, like- not any, I'm not attempting any. <laughs> any, any strategic moves. Uh, I'm just free-forming, which uh, which is not a good thing to do. So I will I will allow you, Bill, to uh, to be the professional <laughs> transitioner.
0: Yeah, we should talk Fetterman. I mean, look, I, like if uh, in the alternative timeline when Fetterman does not have a stroke and he's beating Oz by 15 points, I mean, you have a lot of fun Fetterman costumes out there. People wear skull caps and and and, and, and hoodies. I mean, but, it, it is. I mean, yeah, you know.
1: And by the way, let me just say that's one of the good things about the uh, the Ted Lasso outfit. It's kind of iconic. If you just, you know, you only need a couple things, and 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 then people know. Who you, although I have to say, I've, again, I've worn this a few times and I've been confused for Mario from Super Mario Brothers and Mike Ditka. So it's not, it's not a slam dunk. But I think the Fetterman mm-hmm. outfit, you know, you got the hoodie, you got the cargo shorts. Uh, If you're, if you're super big and and you got a bald head, you're, you're halfway there. It's a
0: good, it's a good good lazy costume. It would have been. Now I think it would just be mean. Um, yes, Well, I'm sorry to distract, but if you hear that crunching sound, it's, uh, it's Nova munching on her bone. I'm sorry. if That's being picked up on the microphone. Um, last night was not good, uh, for a Democrat. Uh, that was, uh, I mean, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, not solely because it was too painful. I had to deal with you know making dinner. Uh, but I, so I I wasn't sad about missing the rest of it because it was so it was so painful. Uh, and I don't know if it is the the end of the campaign because it's very possible that people don't care. no one watched. Ads will supplant people's memories. Uh Fetterman will do some interview. I mean, I, I thought Fetterman was uh, okay in the interviews. That I've seen, so it was jarring for me, someone who's paying you know somewhat close attention, to see him be much worse than he was in the NBC interview, the most notable interview that they did, uh, and you know it just it definitely makes you question, it makes you question a lot of things. Uh, w- one thing in particular that um, came to my mind is. I thought his, I mean, if you're going to do it, you've made the decision to stay in the race. You've made the decision to have the debate. You know, you, you can question both those decisions. But having made those decisions, the question then is, what what is your strategy for this debate? Uh, and I thought there were two big mistakes that Federer made in, in that regard. One is, I mean, the, the talking point that he's had all this time was, I may not hear things right. I may mush two words together. That is sort of the benchmark of this is what my condition is right now. It doesn't, with the subtext being, it doesn't mean I don't cognitively understand what's going on in the world around me. Uh, And he was worse than that. It wasn't just mushing a few words here and there. Uh, He was giving... Uh, very disjointed answers. Again, I still don't believe he has a cognitive problem, uh, but his communication skills were much much worse than what the talking points led you to believe. So I think they had a bad. Uh, they I, I thought they were saying their expectations were pretty low, but really what, it wasn't low enough. They weren't accurately depicting what his challenges are. Number one, uh, and number two, considering. How challenging communication is for him right now. Why would you go on the attack right out of the gate? I mean, going on the attack requires a lot of communication skill. It requires agility. It requires the ability to think on your feet. Uh, and I mean, he was being in the he in the, the opening question was why are you qualified for this job? Which is a layup for Fetterman. He has a public service resume and Dr. Oz does not. There is no need to go on the attack in that question. Uh, And often in debates, I mean, a standard debate strategy is to ignore the first question and go straight to your talking points. But why are Fetterman's initial talking points is Dr. Oz lies about me? That should not be what he does in this particular circumstance. His goal should have been to show he can answer questions directly, that he understands what the questions are, and to engender sympathy for having communication struggles after a stroke. It's not the slice and dice, Doctor Oz. That should not have been the game plan. And so he was, I think, laboring a hundred times more than he had to because he merely got into a tit for tat with Oz, which he was not in a condition to 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 handle.
1: All right, I've got a lot of questions. Um, first, having one debate puts a lot of pressure on last night and. Was it a mistake to do a debate? Should they have had no debate? If you're Fetterman, or should they have had ten debates, which would have, uh, or should they have um, even lowered expectations even more? How how should you're talking about going forward, but let's look backward. How should they have managed it? Because I think maybe they managed it in the worst possible way. Actually, there's a lot of pressure on last night, and and uh, maybe they could have avoided that.
0: We we talked before. And I think I think I said before it'd be a risk to do just one because it puts a lot of pressure on that that one debate. Uh, having three kind of makes it seem like you know no big deal. Uh, knowing more about the condition that he's in, I mean, I, I have to imagine it took a lot of time to prepare for this debate, uh, and if you had to do three of them, that'd be even more time. And it's time that is not well spent for him right now. I mean, he, you know, I, I probably, it, it, this is a tough call because obviously when you have a health issue and you, if you, if you duck in a bay with a known health issue, it raises questions about the health issue. So there's an argument that look, you got, you got to just suck it up and do it just to prove you got your act together. Uh, I now think, I don't know if I think this hundred percent, but I, I lean towards him having said, Look, I have these communication challenges uh
1: and by the way let it, me let me just say Bill, we don't know that this is gonna get better than it is this could well, be this could be where where he lands i mean i, I hope that that's not the case i mean i su- i su-
0: I, su- I suppose that's true but i i from what i what think we've seen in the interviews in the and the speeches. You do detect improvement. Uh, I believe the doctor's statements say there'd be improvement, but maybe you don't want to take those at face value. I understand being skeptical. Um, uh but let's not putting that aside, putting the question of better, does it get better or worse aside? Um I I think I would have said publicly, uh look, I'm still uh I'm still in a recovery phase. It's a lot of communication challenges. It takes me some time to hear questions, collect my thoughts and answer questions. And to be honest, these artificial debates with their one minute answers and 30 second rebuttals, you know, that's not going to be helpful for anybody to understand my views, my condition and how, how I would behave as a Senator. Uh, Mm -hmm. I will do a series of thirty minute interviews forty five minute interviews, six minute interviews. I'm happy to go side by side with Oz and do forums. I'm happy to do town halls. I want you to be able to kick the tires uh, and see where I'm at. but these ridiculous debates are all just dumb shouting matches anyway and I don't think it's gonna be the best way for you to to assess uh how I would be a sender, how my opponent would be a sender mm-hmm. um now, whether that were you good enough, I, I don't know you know we have a lot of, we have certain test cases here. we have this Fetterman test case having done the debate with a major health challenge, and we have the Katie Hobbs test case where she says i'm i'm not I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist how these two cases work out, you know we don't know yet um yeah. and, but, and let me
1: just say with those two races, you know there's been a lot of talk about candidate quality on the Republican side, but you know if you look at. Maybe Mandela Barnes, just because of his his record on, you know, comments and 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 about having to do with crime. You look at Katie Hobbs um, and her sort of lackadaisical campaign, and now John Fetterman, and again, I'm not faulting him here, uh, or, or even the voters. He had this stroke, you know, right before the primary. But, um... In a sense, candidate quality is a big issue for Democrats right now.
0: Well, right? I mean, those are the three most uh, obvious cases. Uh, there might be a smattering of House races where uh, Democrat candidate quality comes into play. I don't think it is. I don't think it's going to be. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if it actually came down to a vote or two in the House, maybe you'd say, oh, they should have knocked out Kurt Schrader in in, in Oregon if it was five or six. Um, well, I mean, two of the front- three
1: people I just mentioned are running for the U.S. Senate, and that right. could be decided. Uh, Decide control.
0: Sure. I gonna, sure. Let me ask you um, this,
1: Bill. You, you and I have talked about Fetterman several times on this show, and and we both kind of agreed that um, you know if he needs to read something as opposed to hearing it, if he needs to read something like on a teleprompter or, or, or whatever, not a teleprompter, but like on a screen. Mm-hmm. That that shouldn't really be a deal breaker as long as he understands what he's voting for. He can he doesn't have to be able to necessarily process things audibly. Um, but what about communications? How much how much of the job of being a senator is actually being able to talk and being able to communicate your ideas to other senators and to constituents? And in fact does this pose a legitimate problem uh, that could be disqualifying, not just by Republicans who want to pounce on this and take advantage of a bad situation, but like a legitimate problem that he could not function in this capacity appropriately?
0: Well, you know, John Hendrickson at the Atlantic, uh, who uh, became uh, very well known because he has a stutter. And he wrote about Joe Biden's stutter uh, very thoughtfully uh, and did some of his first TV appearances talking about that. Um, He wrote uh, a piece last night uh, where he said, I'm quoting, no disability accommodations, not even 70 inch television monitors for real time captioning can change how our how our society stigmatizes verbal disfluency. Uh, so, uh, it may well be that he will be politically penalized for this, but, uh, I think Hendrickson's point is he shouldn't be, uh, because there, there are other ways to communicate. It is possible to communicate without speaking. It may not be how it's, it's traditional for us to handle things in our TV podcast world. Uh, no,
1: I, I agree. I, there is a real discrimination and and preference for people who are also very, like, quick-witted, and, you know, and, and I think that there are other people who are better, like, I think I'm probably better at thinking about things and processing it and writing it, as opposed to, like, spur of the moment, but we have a society that really, um, rewards, especially in politics, I think, really. Especially in debates.
0: I mean, debates have become, you know, jab fests. They're not thoughtful exchanges of ideas. There's who can get the best zinger, who can generate the best viral moment. Uh, And Federman at this, in this condition was not going to be able to compete at that level. I mean, you know, what is very, you know, potentially sad, tragic about Federman is that he, he was very quick witted He was a great, he, he was high candidate quality. I mean, he was someone, I think out of all the Democrats out there done the best job of building a personal brand that transcended his, his issue positions. Uh, and despite, you know, the guffaw amongst Republicans that he is a trust fund baby, uh, he had the best working class brand, uh, someone who seemed like a real guy, a real authentic human being, uh, and that's now compromised. Yeah. This could have been uh, a
1: real uh, different debate if Fetterman, obviously, were uh, had not had the stroke. I mean, you could imagine that he, in fact, may have dominated. Um, <clears throat> and I, just, I,
0: and I think he, I, he and or his team clearly, I, I don't know if they're in some kind of insular bubble, but... They didn't adapt the debate strategy to his current condition. They tried to kind of, you know, shove him. It's sort of a square peg in a round hole deal. They kind of force him to do the kind of debate strategy that he would have done if he was uh, verbally uh, fluent, uh, and that just what sort of makes the uh, yeah the end result. You know, so
1: let bad. me let me ask you another. Um, I guess hypothetical. You know, backward-looking question. Should, when this happened, should they have switched candidates? They I mean, he to had... go, they decided to go with Fetterman and take their chances. But three, four months ago, they could have replaced him. And should they have done? Do we know. It? I
0: mean, I haven't. I look at the law. Do we know how hard it would have been to get him off the ballot?
1: No, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm assuming that if someone is incapacitated. There is some means to uh to 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 get a new candidate to replace but um but that's a good question. the details do uh
0: get. but presuming he could have presuming there was a way to get him off uh i mean he, he would have had to have made that call you know within a few weeks of the event uh and so I understand the hesitation to say well i'm not i, I I've been working for this for years and years uh i should be able to get over this and get better so let's power through uh i mean it's it's hard to judge from the outside and it maybe maybe he still wins you know <laughs> maybe he still wins and he becomes a very effective senator um uh, <clears throat> so what do you think the odds hard?
1: are at this point i mean like how 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 bad of a blow do you think last night was like w- right now if you had to uh pick who's going to win that race I think a week ago you probably say Fetterman.
0: Yeah, I mean I certainly feel more like a toss-up than a than a leaner likely D at this point. Uh and I was probably much more in a likely D place uh before this. Uh you know, he's got he's got two weeks. He's got two weeks to have to this to B- What's that? To stop the spread of Yeah, I mean you know, of last night. He has to do things. He has to be out there and show that that wasn't a good night because that wasn't my best format. I'm still cognitively there. I'm still a true Pennsylvania. I still have a value set that aligns with your value set. Uh he has to do those things. He can't he, he can't run I think a a rose garden campaign. Uh and Oz is still bad. Oz still has very high negatives. Uh I uh, still made a very um uh, uh politically damaging comment about abortion where it should where he said this should be about women and doctors and local officials. That's gonna get, Democrats are gonna jam that down his throat uh so you know he still has his challenges mm-hmm. uh but Federman well, I think has more work to do to overcome last night. Two
1: more questions I have one, there's a big Twitter meme. sort of narrative developing that suggests that Fetterman's wife, you know, kind of pushed him to stay in the race and that she's going to replace him as Senator.
0: I mean, it's all, I mean, that's all speculation. I mean, there's, there's no actual reporting or evidence to suggest that. Um, so I think it's sort of, well, I think Biden Biden did
1: accidentally call her a Senator or something. You're (laughs) going to make a crap.
0: That that doesn't mean anything. Um, so, uh, I mean, the reason why I think—I mean—we've had it situations out, if where it, if it, I will say, if it plays out that way,
1: then it looks, it it, then it looks plays real out the way, bad. So
0: what? If it plays out the way, so what? We had situations where dead people have won elections because voters like you know what—I—I I still don't want the other party in that seat. I want this party in that seat, and that person will get replaced, and that's fine with me. You know, so there's 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 nothing untoward about saying I want a D. I'm going to vote for a D. And if he can't hack it, we'll get another D in there later. So what? Uh, uh, but that that may be where it ends up. If if people hate Oz enough, uh, that being a fallback issue is not a, is not a negative. I'm just not sure you're committed to AFC Richmond
1: enough. And I tell you what, I've got this link here, Bill. <laughs> And every time you talk over your lot of time, I'm going to blow this whistle. Um, <laughs> believe, uh, Matt. You got to believe. <laughs> I need a sign. I should have had that sign behind me. Um, so I have to say, when I watched the clips, I found it to be very difficult to watch. And you know, just philosophically, I, I, I'm not a John Fetterman voter, just based on philosophy, but if i it 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 didn't make me like him less and and maybe this is just me, but I actually might be more inclined to root for him now as the underdog, and I felt like Dr. Oz is maybe a little too tough, a little sli- people were saying he had kid gloves, but he looks a little slick, he looks like he's running up the score to me, and he's like taking advantage of this situation, you know again, I'm not saying I'm the average person, but do you think there's a chance that that this has a weird effect whereby people actually rally behind Fetterman uh, and, and root for him as, as someone who's, you know, as a, I heard Joe Scarborough saying this on Morning Joe this morning, you know, he's been dealt a tough hand of cards. I've, I've been, I had a tough hand at points in my life, and I'm going to root for him to overcome. What do you think of that?
0: I mean, I thought Fem had a great add to that effect, where he talked about how having the stroke, you know, made him more connected to his family and all and and all that kind of thing. Uh, And so it it may still and that still end up may being the net result of this. But but to repeat myself, I don't think he had a debate strategy that that maximized that outcome. I think he should have been a lot more straightforward, answer the questions, ignore odds as much as possible to better. Uh, Generate that kind of sympathy uh, instead of being very ham
1: fisted. And then I do have a question about Oz for you. You mentioned the abortion thing. I mean, I think, I, I guess what he was trying to say is, you know, the Democrats keep saying that this is a decision between a woman and her doctor. And Oz, I think, is saying, like, well, you know, we as a community, have a say and a stake in this. And, um, I think that's what he was trying to say is like, this isn't going to be imposed on high by some authoritarian dude. This is going to be decided by a local community, what the standards and what the, you know, the community values are. Um, that seems like a reasonable thing to say, but, number one, am I wrong about what he was trying to say? And number two, did he word it in such a way that you think is is more troubling than the way I did?
0: Well, this is the actual clip. Um, I I just want to make sure I'm getting, because this got tweeted out by a Democrat saying, Oz says his abortion position should be between, quote, a doctor her woman and her local political leaders. So that (laughs) that clip (laughs) took off the phrase like that. Yeah, yeah. But this is the actual clip. Oh, I'm oh, 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 sorry, I don't think. Wait, I can are you that. actually
1: attempting to play audio video in this diavlog?
0: Yeah, this is probably a bad idea. Um,
1: We've never done this before. I think that uh, Bob actually, and Mickey. I, I think. Do this. I think I'm
0: playing it in my in my AirPods. That's what it is. And not and not, and you can't hear it.
1: I cannot hear it, but. You know, I'm sure that someone could take a video clip and, and, and put it right now in a YouTube video. Um, can you hear me right now, Matt? I can hear you. The American people can hear you. I don't have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help with?
0: <laughs> Worst uh, DMZ ever. <laughs> Hold on. Worst episode
1: ever. Do you hear me, Matt? I hear you talking. Yes, okay. I hear you. Um,
0: I got the audio inputs wrong, though.
1: Bill, our performance right now is right up there with John Fetterman's. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say um,
0: it. Anyway, apologize for all that. I, I, I think the option is... I think what a worse night. I think Oz... Oz's main talking point for the night was I'm not going to pass any federal legislation about abortion. This should be handled at the state and local level. And so he was pressed on, would you vote for Lindsey Graham's 15-week abortion ban? And he wouldn't quite answer it directly. He kept saying, I'm not gonna vote for anything at the federal level. And then and then the moderate say, Well, does that mean you won't vote for this one? And he'd be like, well, I think I answered that. Mm-hmm. He, didn't want to, he, he didn't want to have it come out of his mouth. Yeah. I'm going to vote against Lindsey Graham's ban because he's worried about his own base. Um, uh, and so this other comment about women doctors, local leaders was sort of in that vein um, where he's trying to say this, this should be, as you were saying, local community standard. Yeah, and women are part of that. Doctors are part of that. But we all but- have
1: a stake. We well it's a hop
0: skip and a jump by saying that and saying you're saying the city councilor the mayor uh the town crier gets to have a, gets to have a say in in the decision between a woman and a doctor so he he definitely i think got off of probably his scripted talking point and said a little not quite right and now that's going to get chopped up into a clip and I mean, that's going to be the Democratic ad for the next two weeks because they want that to be the issue and not, you know, Fetterman's, you know, verbal skills. Yeah. Um, so we will, and we'll, and, and, we'll and, and look, this is such a pivotal Senate race for control of the Senate, you know, depending how these other races go. But uh, it would seem, and, you know, and maybe the map is still a little fuzzy out there. Uh, But, you know, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia are still the three most obvious toss-ups. Arizona is tightening. Are there some wild cards out there? Iowa, North Carolina, um, Ohio, maybe. Um, But Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia seem to be the big three. And uh, if Democrats can't flip Pennsylvania, they got to hold... Everywhere they got a whole uh, they have to hold Arizona, Georgia, Nevada if they can't pick up where they, these are their wild card seats, which are still a bit of a stretch.
1: Well, uh, let me let me ask so, you, so, Bill. We had, a,
0: so that ice means that that means so much money is going to go into Pennsylvania now, and the Democratic side's going to be on advertising that Oz clip. Yeah,
1: and I think Fetterman raised a lot of money in the hours after the debate, they're putting that out at least.
0: Well, yeah, but everybody raises money. I mean, they're going to say that, but
1: it's probably true. They Let me really ask did, you. But
0: like, it's, it's, because there was a big news event and there was a big fundraising email pitch right after that event. And so they raised a lot of money. And no matter how bad your debate is, you're going to Oh, yeah. A lot trust of money. me.
1: I was on CNN after Chris Christie knifed Marco Rubio. Remember the whole Rubio thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a disaster for Rubio. And they came on and wanted to. Ta- Rubio's people started talking about how much money Rubio raised that night. They made a big deal about how much money Rubio raised from that debate, as if, as if that mattered. Um, so you and I, we did a a Zoom call with Steve Kornacki, on mm-hmm. Friday night, and this was open to all of our patrons, the Patreon supporters. It um, we had like an hour long call you,
0: with. You, you hear the podcast now.
1: Yeah, I, I put it up at Matt Lewis in the news. So you could listen to it. I uh, made it available to everybody, but, um, but you could ask a question if you were a patron and be a part of the call. And, um, but I wanted to get your take on it, Bill, because Steve, I think, I mean, it, my interpretation of, of, of his talk was that we're going to have a red wave and it's going to be like 2014. And, um, I mean, he's not saying it's absolutely going to happen that way, but he, he thinks the trend is hitting towards something like a 2014 midterm. Which uh, last time I checked, Bill was very bad for the incumbent party, Barack Obama's party, the Democrats. Um, well, what, what did you think Korn- of what Steve Kornacki had to say? Were you discouraged?
0: Um, uh, I, I, you know, I love Steve Kornacki. Uh, obviously, go not being online with Steve Kornacki is the, You've been talking the, shit the, about
1: him on text. So I'm not sure you do love him as much as I do.
0: Um uh, you know, 2014 was really bad for Democrats because of the Senate. The Republicans net gained nine Senate seats uh that year. Uh and uh uh you know the, the big house gains that they had were in 2010 they i think they had 63 and let, and let me say some context part of why i think he picked
1: 2014 specifically was that it was a year that a month out democrats thought they might be able to have a pretty decent midterm there was hope yeah, and then the um, um he started we started to see changes um in you know the ba- certain polling questions and that that sort of mirror what we've seen in the last few weeks here and well, it was a little weeks. early
0: the Republic the Republican jump in the generic ballot that year I'm looking at the real clear politics average right now it was really right after Labor Day it was kind of it was it was knotted up for most of the year and then there was a break in early mid-september and even that break was k- kind of mild um I mean the it, it was a plus 2.4 in the polling, uh, at the, at the end of, uh, right before election day. And it was kind of around that, actually I take that back. It, it, it went as high as four in late September instead of 2.4, but the final house pot vote was 5.7. Um, so there was Republican overperformance based on the polling, but they, they net gained only 13 seats in the house, uh, after that very large gain in 2010. The and the bigger wreckage was on the on the Senate side, uh, and that I believe was attributed. I think the discrepancy in the polls and the and the vote was a Democratic turnout collapse. Um, so I don't think we're in an analogous place to 2014. I don't, I'm not expecting a Democratic turnout collapse. I think there's enough agitation around abortion. Around threat of democracy, around you know Trump election denial, uh, I don't think you're going to see Democrats say, "Yeah, whatever." Um, uh, now, I do think, and I said on the podcast, I do think Republicans are going to take the House at this point. Uh, not to totally run out of Democrats, but really everything has to break the Democrats' way to avoid the historical pattern. Uh, yeah. I mean, the average presidential party house seat loss going from 1934 to today is 28 seats. Republicans only need five. So, and you and as I've said before, there's only four cases in that span. And I think there's only four cases going back to reconstruction, uh, where the president's party did better than, uh, losing five, and that was 34, 62, 98 in 2002. And there was always a, a type of crisis involved there that, that helped the president's party overcome the patterns. And, and on, on top of that, I think I said on a past show, uh, we have an academic paper that I thought was very persuasive that you see these uh, House losses irrespective of presidential approval rating. Which cuts against the argument that's about that that's referendum on the president and argues that's more just about a general uh, voter tendency towards balance, wanting to balance things out. Uh so you a lot of things have to happen for the public to say the balancing thing to do is sticking with the president's party. Uh and you know, abortion helps Democrats in that regard, election denial, denial, denialism helps Democrats in that regard, but Inflation does not. Inflation is upending uh, and is frustrating and anxiety producing. And just the hard reality is uh, inflation has, I mean, there's some modest improvement uh, a couple months ago, but that hasn't continued into this final month. Uh, I think that's, I think it's more important than the crime attacks that we've seen, and not that we you can't find examples where the crime attacks are working to to help Republicans, but I don't think that's the coast to coast reason. Yeah. Uh, I think well, inflation is the biggest thing that didn't fall in Democrats' favor. So I'm already predisposed well, to Republicans taking the House. But having Bill, said Bill, that, I've been predisposed to, to
1: that for nine months. Right. I mean, that that is not breaking news that Republicans are going to take the House.
0: Well. You're seeing, I just saw in the political report projection and the Sabato crystal ball projection, they've bumped up their projection of Republican gains from sort of low teens to high teens 20s, uh, which I don't have any reason to disagree with. But I would argue that's not a wave that's still below average. Of of a of I mean you know 2010 was 63 seats, um, I think with Trump 2018 20 I think that was 40 41, uh, so I'm not convinced that there is this revulsion. No, to me
1: that's against a against Democrats.
0: That's what and you're could, talking about
1: you, to me, I think it's just a matter of semant- semantics. <laughs> well, semantics. Well, but, but,
0: but the difference is. If if it's a true wave, that would make me feel like, okay, Kelly's going down in Arizona and Warnock's going down in Georgia and Cortez Mass is going down in Nevada and Federman's going down in Pennsylvania. Forget about Vance. Forget forget about Ryan. Forget about Beasley. Forget about Franken. There's no chance that the wave is coming. If we're talking low 20s, that doesn't automatically mean – uh, I think Nick Riccardi, the Associated Press, said waves buoy bad candidates, which I agree with the with the maxim. But if it's not a wave, then it, it doesn't automatically mean that Blake Masters, who's a terrible candidate, can overtake Mark Kelly, who's a good candidate.
1: Fair enough. Um, I think Bill. I think next week is our last DMZ before the midterms. Is that right? I think that's right. If it is, then we will be providing you. I think we'll just probably spend the the, the bulk of the show uh, going race by race through what the top ten Senate races. We'll give predictions on uh, the number of House seats. We'll have a handful of gubernatorial races where we will we'll make our definitive locked in predictions. Hell, I might even bring a a poster board or a, or a dry erase you know uh, board or whatever. Uh, for this, because I, I think I think we need to go on record as we have traditionally done,
0: and lock it in. Um, well, I'll do my best to say something horrible for Democrats, so I can be wrong, <laughs> and they can beat my expectations. Because we all know well, my predictions good, are.
1: That's a good strategy. It's sort of like betting against your team in a big football game, because. That it it sort of is like hedging your
0: bets a little bit. <laughs> Either you're right,
1: um, or or you win.
0: And I and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Matt. I think if it's if it's not a wave. That's coming down, more on candidate quality, local state conditions, uh, and that could be a little harder to uh, to gauge from afar. Um, but that's still, that's still where I'm at. I mean, I, I, I do what I, I haven't literally gone down every house race line by line candidate by candidate. Um, But am I kind of spot checking? You know, I don't think there are enough completely insane Republican candidates for Democrats to be able to, Use that to their advantage. And, and I think a lot of kids, like even even a Blake Masters, who I think is, I mean, when you're when you're pro-Ted ski, you know, that's that's nuts. Um but and another another decent Halloween costume, let me just say. <laughs> uh, fact, Blake Masters, Blake Masters is scary. You could have um, the hoodie
1: fr- the hoodie from the Fetterman costume, <laughs> the sunglasses from the Ted Lasso costume, and you're you're basically there.
0: <laughs> um uh what was I gonna say um I got a Rick Perry moment. Uh uh
1: well I, I think Oh, yeah, so Matt, even Masters,
0: because. even Masters is trying to stand off the rough edges and not seem crazy. He's not he's not leaning into the crazy. Uh uh and you know, Carrie Lake, who she doesn't abandon election denialism, she's she's also very good at sounding commonsensical when she talks about yeah. certain things and, and throw up a lot of dust, you know, 2014 had a lot of Republican candidates that also sand off those rough edges. You know, Corey Gardner was sounding kind of pro-choice and was talking about clean energy. Uh, so uh, it wasn't like they were running on being like the most, you know, out there conservatives possible to win, win those races. Uh, so uh, I, I see on the house level, attempts to sound bipartisan sound moderate sound uh you know make the democrats sound crazy make them sound crazy on crime make them sound like crazy overspenders uh and we're just reg- regular joe and Janes. i saw an ad in connecticut five where there's two african-american candidates the incumbent democrat uh hayes and um george uh, i want to say logan for me for getting his last name wrong uh And they're putting right out there in the ad, this is the Republican Congressional Leadership Fund Super PAC ad, you know, George Logan, pro-choice, right in big type in the ad. And even though, I mean, that's nominally true, but he also said that that Dobbs was the right decision and that should be decided by the states. Uh, So there's a lot of blurring going on out there, which may well be sufficient to win the House, maybe even take the Senate, It's not the same as we are giving Republicans a mandate to do all sorts of you know wild right wing things.
1: Well, no one ever really gives anyone a mandate, and that's the huge, that's the big mistake everyone makes is when they think that they've won a mandate instead of an election. It's almost always a mistake. Um, Bill, since you mentioned Carrie Lake, I should uh, let me plug my Daily Beast column. I wrote a piece which I think is you know wildly premature, but not implausible, saying. Watch out, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, because Carrie Lake could run for president. <laughs> she is really good, uh, in many ways, a better demagogue than either of the guys. Uh, and if she wins this gubernatorial election and she's going to probably pass some stuff because she's going to have a Republican legislature, she's really good. And uh, I, I would I
0: would fear her. And you You'll said take last care. week,
1: Bill, that anyone who's a fan of liberal democracy probably should be doing that.
0: You know, there was a Wall Street Journal article that talked about Republicans generally uniting around Kerry Lake, but also did mention there are Republican office holders who are holding that standard. You know, I think it was the mayor of Mesa uh, said, you know, my low bar, this is a Republican, my low bar is don't be an election denier. Carol did not meet that bar. I'm with Katie Hobbs. Uh, so I mean, I don't know how big that constituency is, but it exists. There yeah. are See, my bar is the sanctity of life
1: and the sanctity of elections. And so at this point, almost nobody <laughs> almost nobody checks both boxes, Bill.
0: Well, if you were in Arizona, I think the, I think there's a libertarian running as a right, and you'd have you'd probably vote for that libertarian. Oh, that meant, I mean, that person's pro-choice and you can't, I don't know. Um, you never know. I but, could go either way with the libertarians. Um, but you wouldn't be able to vote for either Laker Hobbs yeah. uh, if you were in Arizona. Uh, That's the dilemma, that this, I, the dilemma I'm in. I, I, I saw a column written by a Gen Z Republican who basically made that case I that I can't vote for either and I'm not going to vote in the gubernatorial election in Arizona. Uh, so, I mean, it's a real coin flip race. So you don't take Lake at her word when she told John Carl, I'm going to be governor for eight years.
1: No, no. I, I think that, um, first of all, I think Carrie Lake's going to win. And uh, I would not be surprised if she runs for president in 2024. Well, and, I would I take would her, not, and I would take her chances very seriously. Uh, I, I do mean, not count- she's a younger... Number one, she's a female, right? So there's a certain affinity that Republicans have for women or minority candidates who say really right wing things. She's younger, better looking, and sharper than Trump. She's going to be a governor. She'll be more relevant. She's actually going to get things done and pass things, which is a contrast with Trump. And she's got more personality than DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis is good at fighting the media, just like Trump, just like Carrie Lake, but DeSantis doesn't really have a lot of charisma. I think Carrie Lake and Trump both have the ability to turn on the charm to a certain degree. I mean, you may not see it, Bill, but there is something there that's likable in them as well that's charming. Um, and so I, I think she's very formidable. And again, it's premature because she could lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I wouldn't bet against her.
0: Do you see the DeSantis-Chris
1: debate? Just the clips. Um, and it seems like you know, DeSantis, it seems like DeSantis won the debate, although Chris got in a few points. I think.
0: I mean, I, I think the debate was more of a draw, but Chris needs a whole lot more than a draw. He needed a game changer, and it wasn't that. Well, the big um,
1: line of the night was uh, the only old donkey I'm going to retire or put out the pasture is Charlie Chris, something like that.
0: Well, Chris, um, I mean, Chris had his clip, which is he can't answer whether he's going to be a governor for four years. You put it right to DeSantis, and DeSantis literally clammed up and wouldn't say anything. I, mean, it was, well, I don't believe said anybody that when they say
1: they're not anyone who says they're not running for president. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton, <laughs> you know, pledged that he would not run for president, and he did. I mean, it's just it's almost like uh, a noble lie at this point. I, I don't really hold it against them uh, because um, it's just it's what you do.
0: But I, I thought for Desantis watchers, you know, Desantis has lived, I think, in his own bubble for a long time. This was sort of a way to see how how are you. How do you perform when you're actually challenged on all these con- contentious things that you do? Uh, and like he came across like a, a bit of a Chris Christie to me. I mean, Chris Christie, I think, is actually a little better in that format, a little more a little more charisma. Obviously, not enough to become president of the United States. Um, but I always thought Christie, uh, Christie always terrified me because he was so knowledgeable. Uh, you know, unflappable. So I we'd I mean, say things that I know were wrong or, uh, well, that's it, Carrie it, Lake. I mean, mean
1: Carrie Lake is often wrong, but never in doubt. She says things with a hundred percent confidence and it, it varies. It, it's very disarming, but you know, John Carl and <clears throat> in that interview she did with him, he would like stop the interview yeah. and then they would fact check it. And I thought that was a really good way. And she's wrong about a lot of stuff or misleading. Yeah, I mean, mis- I mean,
0: I mean, Kerry said things about the election stuff, though. These are facts, X, Y, Z, you know, breaking the action. John Carl, actually, no, <laughs> these are completely these are completely wrong. Right, but he wasn't like, prepared.
1: He was not prepared to rebut her in the moment. And and I don't blame him because, you know, Trump did stuff like that on debates where he would assert with 100 percent confidence that something was a fact. I I saw Obama do this to Mitt Romney when you assert something as fact and if you're a normal person that has some humility, the first thing that happens is maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, you know. And and so I understand why Katie Hobbs didn't want to debate Carrie Lake, because Carrie Lake would have done that. And she would have gotten away with it in the moment. And um and it's incredibly powerful. And luckily, John Carl had the ability to edit the tape <laughs> before he before he, um
0: you know, put it on air. Uh and Kara Lake did that in the primary debate with a very passive moderator, who was going to be the moderator for the, a Lake Hobbs debate. So I think so Hobbs made a reasonable, if not you know with, beyond criticism, but a reasonable decision to say this is a this is a essentially a rigged game that I that I can't win. DeSantis, I think, being a governor, uh, having been much more involved in public policy than Kara Lake ever has, you know, he had more facility with facts and figures. Like, I think Chris Christie had him when he did debates in, you know, town hall settings. Uh, so he ca- he came across as uh, in command, even if he was not, not not that Chris never scored any points at all. Um, but I think you you sort of take measure of how he can handle himself in a tough situation. While at the same time, I agree with you, he still lacks a basic charisma. He still seems like kind of an angry troll and not someone you really want to have a beer with. You know, if um, Carrie Lake's
1: governor of Arizona for two years or whatever, and she's on a debate stage with Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, may have peaked too early. Um, I don't know how long you can sustain it, but I think I give the edge to Carrie Lake. Of course, so, in two years, maybe Carrie Lake's going to be past peak. So we, You never know. I mean, uh, <laughs> the faster filer thesis, what is it that Mickey always talks about? Faster Filer. Do you know about this bill? I don't. It's basically it, it it's someone that that Mickey knows uh, who who basically I think was ahead of the curve in seeing that that media narratives change very quickly, much more quickly mm-hmm. uh, than it used to be. That something would stick around for a couple of years, and now we're so uh, attention deficit uh, disordered, all of us. So anyway. Um, Bill, uh, I know we had other things we wanted to talk about, but we're looking at the 54-minute mark right now. So uh, anything you want to you call it a well, day? Do you want you you to touch on this
0: Ukraine letter quick?
1: I guess we have to now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the letter that progressives uh, put out basically saying- Congressional Progressive were, Caucus. I, they, actually, yeah, they, it, was,
0: it wasn't even the full caucus. It was, it was 30 names, if I recall. And they're, they were urging,
1: I guess they were urging President Biden to encourage Ukraine to negotiate a peaceful end to the war with Russia. And um, it was sent out now, apparently not at a very good time for Democrats. Uh, it obviously comes on the heels of of Republican Kevin McCarthy, likely the next Speaker of the House, I guess, um, who who suggested that Republicans may not be keen to keep funding Ukraine to the level that America has been. Um, and then the progressives who put out this letter, Bill promptly walked it back and blamed staff, their staff for for uh, publishing it. Well, what, well, say well Pramila
0: Jayapal specifically, I mean, Juma- J- Pramila Paul Isn't she like the head of this group? She's she's the, she's the head of the she's the chair of the caucus. Uh, she apparently organized the letter. Um, that people had signed on originally in June, but there's reporting that there were some continual letter signing efforts more recently. Um, you know, this is uh, from the political story. Um, that release, uh, so the about face comes to some Democratic lawmakers, lawmakers vent their fury at the letter backing talks wasn't recirculated before its public release on Monday that release made it appear that the 30 House Democrats who signed on, all lawmakers in the roughly 100-member Congressional Progressive Caucus, were urging the Biden administration to push for diplomacy immediately, despite Russia's engagement in war crimes, indication of military escalation. Um, and Pramila Jayapal said in a statement, the Congressional Progressive Caucus hereby withdraws its recent letter to the White House regarding Ukraine. That letter was drafted several months ago, but unfortunately was released by staff without vetting. Um But then took responsibility, quote unquote, for for the thing. And there's so much about this. There's so much about this that I think is really bad for uh, Jayapal. I mean, as someone who wants to advance in the uh, party leadership, there's some expectation that if it's a bad midterm, that maybe Pelosi and Clyburn and Hoyer all uh, step down or even are pushed out. Um, Younger folks are jockeying for these various positions. Uh and for Jaya Paul to uh send this out when she did. I mean, uh, whether it was at her literal direction or passively because she wasn't paying attention, uh, both are bad outcomes. Uh two, she's taking responsibility for it for the Progressive Caucus. It doesn't have half the Progressive Caucus' signatures. It's not a progressive caucus statement. It's statement of just the people who signed it. And even, of course, some of them saying, whoa, I'm I'm not still on this thing. Uh, So it's just complete amateur hour. And and then I was having a little back and forth with a guy on Twitter about this, um, who was arguing with me that this undercuts, the uh, that she's been a pillar of strength and she's made the congressional progressive caucus so much more powerful in the past year. And I was like, Where's what's the evidence of that? Uh, You know, there was a point where it seemed that way. And I even said so when they first held the line on the infrastructure vote back in September 2021. But then they folded in November 2021 when Biden changed tack. I mean you only show strength if you can stand up to your president and force him to do what he doesn't want to do. If you're just following the president's line, that's no that's no great shakes. Uh so there was a lot of hype that this was, you know, a, a supercharged progressive caucus, but it didn't work out that way. Uh and now you're show now you're seeing a divide in the caucus over Ukraine where the side Pushing peace talks is in the minority of the progressive caucus, uh, and even the small amount of people that were on it, you know, jump ship from that position. All, uh, all with, with J. Paul, uh, you know, fumbling it. So, the notion that she is going to advance in leadership, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not ear to the ground in D.C. Uh, I, I would be very, very surprised if she could snag a leadership role next year uh if there is you know turnover coming all right uh bill anything you want to plot uh i got a piece i co-written with a colleague of mine at the washington monthly uh gary birnbaum um uh the 10 worst candidates for office uh on the ballot in 2022 uh, a few names that you might not expect you know some some you might expect like carrie lake but there are a few uh Curveball's in there. So uh, check that out. You might learn something. Whether or not you agree with that. Well, Carrie Lake's one of the
1: worst candidates, but she's also one of the best candidates in a weird way, too, right? I mean, well, well, it
0: depends uh, on what your criteria is, of course. Yeah. You know, we're, our criteria is chance to win, potential to wreak havoc.
1: (laughs) Her potential to wreak havoc is high, as you will see when you read my piece at the Daily Beast about Carrie Lake. Uh, Everyone should also, I would encourage you to listen to our interview with uh, Steve Cornacki. It was a zoom call and you can find that at Matt Lewis in the news. So check that out. And again, uh, unless, unless I've got the, uh, the dates wrong bill next week will be our, uh, you know, fabulous, uh, election preview. So, uh, check back in next week.
0: Yeah. I think next week is November. Well, uh, we'll probably go November 2nd or 3rd and election day is November 8th.
1: You got it. All right. Uh, Good show, Bill, and we will see you all back here in the DMZ next week. All right. Take care.